بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين وعن عثمان رضي الله عنه قال قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم خيركم من تعلم القرآن وعلمه أو كما قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم Uthman reported that Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam said, The best of you, the best amongst you are those that learn the Quran and teach it. In this hadith, we understand from the statement of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam that there are two categories, there are two people that Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam he mentioned. The first, he has to learn the Quran, and after learning the Quran, he has to teach the Qur'an also. We understand nowadays by learning the Qur'an, we always think that it is to do nazar of the Qur'an or to do hibs of the Qur'an. But to be from these people, from the khayrukum man ta'allam al-Qur'an, it is not only limited to this, but also by learning the meaning of the Qur'an, we can gain this virtue. Because we are learning what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala He has commanded us in the Qur'an So we should not limit ourselves By only reciting the Qur'an Or by only memorizing the Qur'an But we should make a constant effort That what does the Qur'an What is the Qur'an trying to say To learn the meaning of the Qur'an also So, for, for, so to be from these people We have to make a constant effort to how we can memorize the Qur'an and also know the meaning of the Qur'an. So inshallah regarding this, there's a weekly tafsir, and inshallah the weekly tafsir of Surah Al-Ahzab will continue. So it is very virtuous that a person, he sits in these gatherings as the malaika. They also come in these gatherings and they make dua and maghfirat for the person that sits in these gatherings. And pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He gives us the tawfiq, to sit in these gatherings, and inshallah, it'll be very virtuous for us and very beneficial. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Allahumma salli wa sallim ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala ali Sayyidina Muhammad wa barik wa sallim. Rabbi shahli sadri wa yassir li amri wa hlul uqdatan min lisani yafqahu qawli. Subhanak la ilmanana illa ma'allamtana. Subhanak la ilmanana illa ma'allamtana. Subhanak la ilmanana illa ma'allamtana. Amma ba'd. Respected elders and brothers, uh, mothers and sisters, and dear students, Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. We thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who has given you and I this opportunity to be in the company of the Quran, in the company of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in the company of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. We've heard our scholars and our teachers mention that if you ever want to be in the company of a certain scholar or author who has passed away, Regardless of what period of time he or she may have been from, and you want to spend uh, some time with them, you want their company, then the best way to do that is to read their books. If you read the book of an author, it's as you are in their company. And you feel that you're in the presence of such and such scholar. So if that is true for the works of any scholar, then most definitely when you sit with the words of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And when you sit with the words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, what should be our thought process? What should be the condition of our mind and our heart? That we're spending time with the 
with Allah and we're spending time with the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. That's what it is, because this is the greatest intercession that you and I can enjoy is the intercession of the book of Allah subhanahu wa taala. This has come from Allah, and it is the strongest inter inter intercessor. So our our weekly dars here is this amazing opportunity for us to recharge our battery and to uh, feel the nur of the Qur'an entering our hearts, to feel the nur of Rasulullah's love entering our hearts. And that should be our goal, that before I stand up and leave from here, my heart should be uh, you know, filled with the nur of Qur'an, the nur of Rasulullah's love, the nur of the ma'rifah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that the ability to distinguish right from wrong for the rest of the week, the ability to do what's right and to stay away from wrong, that internal capacity I should gain from this dars. So that's what our niyyah should be, my friends. And that we're here sitting in the company of none other than Allah and His Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. You know, subhanAllah, this is the, 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 you know, the reality of it. When we, we, anyone who comes to any masjid, attends any halaqah of ilm, knows that you walk out different than the way you entered. You walk out different than the way you entered. We all know that feeling. When we came in, we were different. When we leave, we're different. And you feel genuinely something in your heart changing. What is that? And what is that all about? That is the benefit and the power and the strength of your mahabba and love for Allah and His Rasul. When you sit in a gathering, that mahabba and love gets stirred up. And when that love of Allah and His Rasul gets stirred up in your heart, you feel different. You feel like no one else. You feel like you can fly. You feel so different from how you were before you came in. You feel different than how you were last week. You feel different from the rest of your you know, relatives and neighbors whatnot. That, that level of iman that a person gets from here, from a dars of Quran and hadith, in the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is, you know, is wonderful. Is, it, it, it allows you to achieve things that a person would otherwise have never imagined you would be able to achieve. So I ask Allah Azza wa Jal, the most mighty, most gracious, most merciful, that He grants you and I that sweetness of Iman, that grants you and I the, the sweetness of knowing Him, and knowing His Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa and allow, allow us to fall in love with Him. Amin Rabbil Alameen. The last verses that we covered last week were the etiquettes of going to people's houses generally the etiquette of just etiquette in human life the importance of etiquette in human life then specifically the walima of rasulullah with zainab anha and that whole story in the background that we discussed and spoke about what type of you know how should it be when we're entering our home and when should we leave and what type of how long we should stay and things of that sort and then the aspect of the status and the honor of the wives of the Prophet ﷺ, how people are not allowed, they are mothers, no one's allowed to get married to them after Rasulullah being married to them. And also the last minute, the last few minutes, a very important topic I covered, uh, which if you didn't hear it last week, then go ahead and please listen to it, which was the, the verse of the Quran where Allah says, whenever you ask any of the wives of the Prophet ﷺ for any article, for anything, then ask them from behind the screen. Ask them behind the veil. Whenever you, O companions, ask the wives of the Prophet ﷺ for anything, then ask them from behind the screen 
And this is to ensure that your, your hearts and their hearts remain pure. So we had made some, you know, comments on that part and the importance of, of following this even after the demise of the Prophet and the demise of the wives of the Prophet that this ayah is not specific. Like I had shared with you the opinions of various scholars who said this ayah is not specific to the wives of the Prophet but rather this is for all Muslim women and men that they need to follow this etiquette. Moving onwards uh, to ayah number 56. Allah Azza wa Jal says, Inna Allah wa malaikatahu yusalluna ala nabi Ya ayyuhal ladhina amanu sallu alayhi wa sallimu taslima Inna al-ladhina yu'thuna Allah wa rasoolahu la'anahum Allahu fi al-dunya wal-akhirati wa a'adda lahum a'adhaban muhina وَالَّذِينَ يُؤْذُونَ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ وَالْمُؤْمِنَاتِ بِغَيْرِ مَكْتَسَبُوا فَقَدْ احْتَمَلُوا بُهْتَانًا فَقَدْ احْتَمَلُوا بُهْتَانًا وَإِثْمًا مُبِينًا Allah says, Indeed, Allah and His angels pronounce blessings upon the Prophet. Indeed, Allah and His angels pronounce blessings upon the Prophet. يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا أَوْ يُهُ بِلِيْفِ Pray for Allah's blessings upon the Prophet. Pray for Allah's blessings upon the Prophet. And salute him with a worthy salutation of peace. And salute him with a worthy salutation of peace. Indeed, those who malign Allah and His Messenger, indeed, those who attack, malign, hurt, attempt to hurt Allah and His Messenger, Allah shall curse them in this world and in the hereafter. And He has prepared for them a disgracing tournament. Tor- torment there. He has prepared for them a disgracing torment there. Moreover, those who malign the believing men and the believing women by charging them with wrongdoing that they have not earned, by charging them with wrongdoing that they have not earned, shall truly bear the burden of committing both a grave culmony and a clear sin. A grave culmony and a grave accusation and a clear sin. So, this is possibly one of the most famous verses of the Quran. And uh, this is something, well, Allah, this, is a ver- this is a verse that we all hear every single Friday. And we hear it whenever we speak about this, the status of the Prophet ﷺ. This verse always comes there. The verse in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is speaking about sending salutations upon the Prophet ﷺ. So let's spend a little time um, with this ayah, understanding its, its prominence, its importance, and its place in the deen. And then leading that to the next part of it, just the importance of sending salutations upon the Prophet wasalam, And what do we, what benefits we derive from it, and what are we actually trying to gain from it. Allah Azza wa Jal is, is, has created the very best creation, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And so from every aspect, Rasulullah is number one. Number one, who to receive prophethood. Number one, to be created. Number one, in terms of his beauty, in terms of his, lo- in terms of his intelligence. Number one, in terms of all his qualities, beautiful qualities. Allah Azza wa Jal made him, as Hassan ibn Sabit said, كَأَنَّكَ قَدْ خُلِقْتَ كَمَا تَشْآءُ It's as though you've been created the way you wanted yourself. Hand-chosen, hand-picked everything to perfection and the very best possible in any aspect the highest grade of it you'll find it in the Prophet ﷺ. so when 
this mu'min kamil, when this human, kamil, this complete human, if we, if we build a relationship with this complete human, this manifestation of Allah's power, Allah's beauty, Allah's attributes, the closer you build your connection with this human being, the closer becomes your connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The Quran says, وَإِن تُطِيعُهُ تَهْتَدُوا if you obey him, you'll get, you will be rightly guided. If you obey him, you'll be rightly guided. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made the Prophet ﷺ Indeed, in, your, in the life of the Prophet ﷺ is a, is a beautiful example. Beautiful example for us to emulate and to follow. And in the life of the Prophet ﷺ, Lies our salvation. The Quran says, Qul in kuntum Say, O Muhammad, tell them, if you love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, if you claim to love Allah, then obey me. Ittiba' means to follow footsteps. Someone who's walking through, for example, the snow, and you now you follow their footsteps exactly where they put their, their feet down. This is what ittiba' is. Qaful athar. You are following the footsteps one after another. So ittiba' of Rasulullah is how did he act as a husband, as a father, as a statesman, as an imam, as an as a, as a, um, uncle. How did, how did he interact with the people? That is what I want to have in my life. All aspects, ittiba'. I remember subhanAllah, we were sitting when, uh, you know, over a meal when brother Stephen Jackson came here. And... We were having the first meal one of the, while he was here on, the sh on that Friday. And he asked, um, you know, some of us were eating with our hands, some of us were eating with a spoon. He said on that breakfast table, you know, uh, what's, a, what's a prophetic way of eating? So now you're dealing with someone who's just recently accepted Islam. He's got going through all sorts of different, you know, changes in his life. There's so many things you want to focus on. So that's why you want to give an answer that's kind of sugar-coated. That's kind of not too hard for him. And say, you know, alhamdulillah, you know, whatever you do, mashallah, you say bismillah, you make a niyyah of eating for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it's all rewarding, you know, some. No, 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 get, he's like, he's like, cut that out. <laughs> what did the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, what did he eat with? How did he eat? I want to know that. All right, I want to know that. And uh, we said, well, it depends what you're eating. What did the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam eat with? Well, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam used to eat with his fingers. He said, that's it. He said, I want to follow the Prophet ﷺ sunnah. He had a spoon in his hand for it, he moved it off. He said, I want to eat the way the Prophet ﷺ ate. What is that? That's called mahabba. That's called love. Right? That's exactly, uh, you know, there was a Sira conference over here. We have, alhamdulillah, every year Sira conference. This year is also going to take place, inshallah, in November. So I remember a prominent businessman, he came. He attended the Sira conference. He heard all the beautiful lectures. Heart was softened. We're eating downstairs dinner. And he was eating next to me. And afterwards he said, you know what? I, I see your, you know, people are he eating here with their hands. Tell them from today I make this niyyah. After listening to the Sira talks that from today I'm, I'm going to eat with my hands as well. It is not the most important, most prominent part of your deen is that you eat with a spoon or your fingers. It's part of it. Part of the deen, fine. The soul. But what is this? What is this? What is, are we going to not, we're going to discredit that? No. This is based on of love for Rasulullah That a person says, sometimes we don't have hikmah and wisdom. We say, 
that our brother says, pray, please, there's many other things you have to work on. Why are you doing this? So we shouldn't say that. It is his love for Rasulullah that even one action that he does out of true love for Rasulullah is sufficient for his salvation. Because the Quran says, if you love Allah, tell them, if you love Allah, فَاتَّبِعُونِي follow me. It didn't say follow me in prayer only. Follow me in everything. Follow my footsteps in all aspects of my life. يُحْبِبْكُمُ Allah. Allah will love you. وَيَغْفِرْ لَكُمْ ذُنُوبَكُمْ And Allah will forgive your sins. So there's no sunnah that's small. There's no sunnah that's insignificant. Any action that you do, because it's a sunnah of Rasulullah there's such noor in there that all the marketing of the world, all the fancy shamansi books and colorful prints will never have the effect on your heart and the hearts of Muslims and the hearts of non-Muslims the way one sunnah of Rasulullah has an effect. Any sunnah you choose, you want to say, I want to give da'wah to non-Muslims. I want to give da'wah to the public. I want to give da'wah to my co-workers. I want to give da'wah to my classmates. There's no better way to do that than through the sunnah of Rasulullah There's special nur, my friends. That when a non-Muslim or even a Muslim sees that, if Allah wills hidayah for him, it will cut through all that filth and the darkness over the heart. It will get right into the heart. That's the beauty of, of the, the nur of sunnah. Let's never undermine that. Real story, I'll tell you. We don't take our deen from dreams. But dreams can be used as supportive, you know, stories and supportive uh, evidence, if you want to call it. It is not a real evidence in sharia, but it's something that we use to give ourselves support. Nabi alayhi said, toward the end of times, a, a true believer rarely will have false dreams. Toward the end of times, a true believer will rarely have false dreams. Yani, a truthful Muslim will, will always see appropriate dreams, correct dreams. So an incident someone shared with me is that there was a, a group of brothers and, and their families going, going out in the path of Allah. And they're with their wives and the women of the house. And they were traveling to one city. And the group was staying at, you know, the women were staying at someone's house. The host said that usually you do ta'leem, you read from the book Fadal al-Amal or whatnot, at, you know, in the morning time. The women, community women come also to listen. So she said, today, there's some prominent women of the community coming. Prominent women of the community coming. These are people we need to really influence and bring them closer to the deen. So... She was a new lady, sister, not really, you know, first, first time hosting Jama'ah. So she said, my suggestion is that instead of reading from the book of Hadith, we should cut that down, cut short, and one of the sisters can give a talk. Uh, you know, a, a very powerful, engaging talk instead of reading simply a Hadith. So one of the sisters who was, spent a lot of time and more experience, she said, you know, this is something that is not, we're not supposed to do that. There's a time for a bayan. There's a time for ta'lim. We're not going to take away from the time of ta'lim to accommodate someone who's coming. That's just not the way it works. So there was a little, you know, tit for ta'lim. Going back and forth. Like, no, this is how it should be. Khalas, they said, okay, now it's time for breakfast. And after that, we rest. And then we'll meet up at 10 o'clock. So at 10 o'clock, when they gathered together, after their rest and breakfast and stuff like that, the host was completely changed. 
her mentality completely changed and she said, okay, you know what, as you had mentioned on the schedule, we're going to have the normal ta'aleem, not one minute less. And then inshallah, we'll have the talk later on. Like, you know, at 11 o'clock, whatever the case may be. So some of the people were surprised. Like, why all of a sudden a change of heart? So she mentioned this host, this lady. She mentioned that privately to one person, I think so, or publicly, I'm not sure. Most likely privately, she said that after breakfast, I went to sleep. And in my sleep, I had the ziyarah of Rasulullah And the Prophet was scolding me. And was telling me, do you think someone else's speech is more powerful than mine? Do you think someone else's words will have a stronger effect than my words being read in a gathering? That you are trying to cut down the time that the words of Rasulullah are read and want to increase someone's speech time. Subhanallah. She must have been a really close person to Allah Azawajal that Allah SWT sent this dream to her right then and there. You know, mistakes, this is, mistakes are made. But for a mistake to be corrected like this by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is a sign. And I came across an ajeeb hadith. Um, I actually spoke about this one of the durus. Was 11 hadith that talk about when Allah loves someone, what He does, what he does for them. Dr. Nabalusi has this beautiful, amazing dars where he talks about Man bi khaira. When Allah intends good for you, what does He do? You know the famous hadith, when Allah intends good for you, He gives you deep understanding of deen, right? Well, he collected 11 hadith, 11 approximately, of completely different from various parts of you know, hadith uh, literature that start off with a similar thing. Whoever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala intends to do good, what does he do with him? So I was surprised to come across one hadith in his work that said when Allah wants to do good with someone, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reprimands him for his mistakes that he does via a dream. Ajeeb. Via a dream, a person is reprimanded for the mistakes he is doing. So this is a beautiful sign. Meaning what I'm trying to say, this is not fake. This is real. If, if you're listening to me and you say, Oh my God, I was about to commit a sin or I did commit a sin and I saw a dream. What is that supposed to be? Yes, that's true. That's a beautiful sign from Allah for you. That He loves you. And that He is immediately, you know, uh, what you call, pulling your ear and telling you, you better watch out. What are you doing? So here Allah Azza wa Jal showed this lady and the, uh, the Rasul Sallallahu himself. My, my, why did I share, why did I just remember this story? Was because not undermining the words of Rasulullah Sallallahu That hadith of Rasulullah Sallallahu actions of Rasulullah Sallallahu sunnah of Rasulullah Sallallahu there's nothing more powerful than that. There's nothing more powerful than that. We cover a book called Zadu Talibin here in the first year. And I've always thought about you know, that this book is just short, very short, not even one line, two-word hadiths, because they're usually, it's portions of hadith, portions of hadith. Like, Ad-Dinu Nasiha, Inna Min Al-Bayani Nasihara, right? Al-Khamru Jima'u Al-Ithim, we did some of these hadiths today, Adhulmu Dhulmatun Yawm Al-Qiyamah. Short hadiths, one word, one line. It's about 270 collection of it. And many times when I teach this, I think, man, this is a beautiful book to give to a non-Muslim. That's da'wah. It's just hadith, not written for non-Muslims. But I think any non-Muslim who has, with an open heart, reads this. Like you see now, mashallah, our, our signage outside on North Avenue, the LED signs. What are they? They're all basically small hadith like from books similar to Zadul Talibin that are there, one-liners, right? But if you have time to sit, stop and read, 
You wonder, well, where is this wisdom coming from? Where is this wisdom coming from? And a person will sense the nur of hadith in it, and inshallah will be rightly guided. So we had the, uh, one of the leaders of DuPage County come here recently. And um, I was giving, you know, we gifted him some things. And I said, you know what? I gifted him this book. He was so excited when he looked at it. Non-Muslim, of course. But he was so excited. I told him, you know what? I, I want you to just go. Through. And Ajib, the, when I opened the book, I said, this has got very nice short hadith in here. And I opened it up. And what did I find? I think the wording was, لا يؤمن أحدكم حتى يأمن جاره بوائقه أو كما قال السلام that if none of you can be a true believer until your neighbor is safe from your harm. Uniquely, <laughs> that was a hadith. And we were just talking about being good neighbors and, and this and that. He's like, oh, wow. You know, he was amazed. That, that's the first hadith that popped up, you know, that was there in the book. So there are scholars in the past known as hadith, muhadithun who've studied the chain of narration of hadith, right? Even now, of course, we have a takhassus fil hadith program here, alhamdulillah, where students are studying the, you know, the, the post, postgraduate two-year program in hadith. But there's been instances mentioned in the books that these scholars, after having studied for a very, very long time, all right, studying the chain, chains and hadith and whatnot, but along with that, working on their spirituality, they, they reached at a level. If someone were to share a hadith in front of them, a fabricated hadith, they would be able to instantaneously say that this is fabricated. Without even listening to the chain of narration. And how was that? They would simply say, and then you, you could go do the research and you'd realize that what they're saying is correct. How is that? They would say that we do not see the nur of hadith in this. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had actually given them this method, this sixth sense to be able to sense and see the light of hadith. Because hadith, like the Quran, you can't just take a bunch of Arabic words and make it rhyme together and make it sound like Quran. It'll never work. People have tried. They failed miserably. They failed miserably. So similarly, hadith is like that. You cannot take and make up words and make it into a hadith. Now, I'm not saying every one of us has a sixth sense. One in millions and millions will have that. But it's a gift from Allah Azza wa Jal that a person is able to figure out and sense that this, these words are devoid of the nur that hadith has. So, our main take-home point from this part here is never undermine the sunnah. Never undermine the hadith of the Prophet right? Always have more trust in sunnah than in your own marketing techniques. More trust in sunnah than your own da'wah techniques. More trust in the words of Rasulullah than your own words. So, Nabi alayhi salatu wasalam is that kamil person who is complete in all aspects of life. So the more closer we are to him, the closer we will become to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So there are few ways of getting close to him. While you're alive, you can get close to him by being in his presence, right? Liqa, haqiqi, to actually meet him. And then after he passes away, you get close to him by remembering him, by sending salutations upon him, by knowing his seerah. So this connection after Rasulullah passing away is a connection, intellectual connection. 
or a emotional connection. An intellectual connection is when you get to know his seerah, when you get to know his life. Now you're intellectually connected with him. And then when you fall in love with Rasulullah you hear stories about his love and his mercy for this ummah. You start crying. So why am I crying? The reason you're crying is because you have become now emotionally attached to Rasulullah And now you're desirous and wishing that you could be with him. Nabi has said in the hadith, the gist of which is, that a time will come that there will be people in my ummah who would wish to give up everything that they own. They would be wishing and willing to give up the entire world in lieu of being able to see me. The greatest gift that they could ever wish from me is that I'm allowed to, I allow Rasulullah to see them or to, for them to see Rasulullah And they would be willing to give up everything. Right? That is, that is what you're speaking about. True love that a person gets through studying Rasulullah life. My dear brothers and sisters, if we want to gain some nur from Allah, that nur which Allah placed on Rasulullah then we have to get ourselves connected to Him. We have to get ourselves, there's no way around it. Unless and until we don't emotionally and intellectually get connected to Rasulullah we're not going to be able to gain, the, gain and benefit from the nur and the taj, what we call tajalli. The Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala manifesting His nur on the Prophet the Quran says, وَصَلِّ عَلَيْهِمْ O Muhammad send us, make dua for the ummah. Send salutations upon the ummah. Bless the ummah. Make dua for blessing upon the ummah. إِنَّ صَلَاتَكَ سَكَنٌ لَهُمْ For indeed your salah. Salah does not mean namaz here. Salah here means this salutation, this prayer, this dua for blessing. Rasulullah your, your prayer for the ummah, سَكَنٌ لَهُمْ is a means of comfort for them. Is a means of comfort. This is surah... Tawbah ayah 103. Surah Tawbah ayah 103, Allah Azza wa is saying, Rasulullah sallallahu salah is a means of sakina and peace for the ummah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So there's a man who, who is brought to Rasulullah sallallahu who is intending to assassinate him. He wants to assassinate the Prophet he's, he's caught. He's brought in to the, in front of the Prophet sallallahu The Prophet sallallahu smiles at him and says, Ya hadha, Oh, oh man, even if, if you really wanted to do, accomplish what, you, what I know you're trying to accomplish, you would have never been allowed to do so. You would have never been allowed to. Allah would never allowed you to, you know, execute me just like that. So the man looked at Rasulullah and his smile. What does he say? He says, Wallahi ya Muhammad. I swear by Allah, O Muhammad. عليك, I entered your house. In your room and where you are. There's no face on this, there is no face on the surface of the earth more repugnant and more hated to me than your face. You are the one I hate the most. And now there is not a single, single face on the, uh, there's not a single face and a single being. On the surface of the earth that is more beloved to me than your face. What happened? What happened? Nabi alayhi salam is performing tawaf in Mecca, in Ka around the Kaaba, and a man is around him. The Prophet holds his hand. Wait, what, are you, what are you trying to do? It's nothing. Nothing. I'm just doing tawaf. No, you're not. Look what you got in your what, look what you got here I'm next to you. He had a dagger. I know what you're doing. You wanted to kill me. 
he, that was his intention. Nabi ﷺ put his hands on his chest. And you know, instead of killing him or instead of sending him off to get punished, he invited him towards the deen. That Sahabi says when he placed his hand, oh, that kafir at that time who later on became a Sahabi, he said when he placed his hand on, on my chest, till now I can feel the coolness of those hands and those fingers as he placed it on my chest. Something happened to me. And right then and there, I said, Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah, wa ashhadu annaka Rasulullah. Right? I was there to kill him, and I changed. That other Sahabi came, that other kafir came and entered the house, and he says, "You're the most hated person." He walked away, taking a shahada. There are so many instances like this. Of course, you know the story of Umar Khattab radiAllahu anhu, the famous incident. He's out there on his way to execute, and then he becomes the leader of the Muslims. Subhanallah. Right? What is that? Okay, what, what is the reason that the sacrifices that the Sahaba did for Rasulullah is like literally, is unimaginable. It's just, it's like, you know, you how? When you tell this to the youth, when you tell this to adults too, it's like, is that real? Is that possible? Ja'far al-Tayyar radiallahu anhu, you know, in, in battle of Muta, holding onto the flag with his right hand, then he gets cut, he holds it onto his left, he gets cut, then he puts it under his shin, and that, it, that chest also gets cut. And eventually he dies. And the next Sahabi takes over. The level of sacrifice that the Sahaba did, youngsters, girls, women, men, you see how, why? Because Nabi alayhi salatu wasalam's nur of Allah that was in him, and that when the way when you stayed with him, that nur came into you, and it literally, it just became the super magnet. That nur was so powerful that a person would say, I'll do anything, I'll do anything for this. Because you, you, you become madly in love with Rasulullah There are people who've been blessed to see Rasulullah in their dreams. They're sitting maybe here. They're definitely sitting in the madrasa. Such people. Ask them that after you are, after you've seen Rasulullah how every single time, even a year later, two years later, you think about that incident and how you tear up. How it brings happiness even in the most darkest moments of your life. Even in the most depressed moments of your life, when you think about that ziyarah and that visit you had of Rasulullah how long did that last? Five seconds, ten seconds, a minute. A short glimpse of Rasulullah in the dream leaves behind such a powerful feeling that a person remembers it for decades to come. Imagine those people who actually saw him every day. Imagine Anas radiallahu anhu who says, I remember shaking the hands of my beloved Rasulullah I've never touched any silk that was softer than the, the skin of Rasulullah's palms, right? Imagine those people who, who that's the Sahabi who took, who was lucky enough to be able to get a, some of the uh, sweat of Rasulullah and was able to put it, and that's what the campaigners would do. If he was resting somewhere on a leather mat, when he would wake up, because hot, hot summer, 120 degrees, you'd be sweating. And as soon as he'd stand up, they would quickly take, take an ether bottle or of some sort and put that sweat inside it. And they'd say, by Allah, there would be nothing at all that had more, of a greater fragrance than the sweat of the beloved Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Right? The stories are amazing. And these are not fake stories. These are all amazing stories that people have experienced and have actually shared, that our books have been mentioned, all of those things. They're the miracles of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi every aspect of it is, is, you know, is just amazing. So what was it that Nabi alayhi salatu wasallam had? that made these people willing to make huge sacrifices? 
It was that beauty of Rasulullah the nur in Rasulullah of Allah. It was the, the, the akhlaq of Rasulullah that it literally enchanted people. You know, they're enchanted. That's why uh, the non-Muslims, the Orientalists who study Rasulullah you know, they, they don't want to believe he is the Nabi of Allah. But they also, they have to acknowledge that there's no one who rose to such heights and such power and changed the course of the world in a few, span a few years quicker than Rasulullah No one has done that in the history of, of mankind. And they always speak about the leadership. That what did he have that made people from various tribes who fought with one another like cats and dogs for tens of years, hundreds of years, how did they all line up in front of him? With absolute order. How do you do that? How? Without any fighting. Without any, you know, desire for power. And just submitting themselves to Rasulullah So they don't believe in prophethood. So they'll just say he was a super charismatic person. Right? That's all they have to say. He was charismatic. But this is not charisma. This is something way, way, way beyond charisma. The help of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was with him. Yes, he had charisma. More sure. But beyond it is a charisma like no other charisma. And that is through the barakah of nubuwa, the barakah of the nur of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the secret of a believer's enjoyable life is that he is connected with Rasulullah and he is enjoying the nur of Allah via Rasulullah Famous story. Handala radiallahu anhu is crying. Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu anhu says, Ya Handala, Malaka tabki, Malaka ya Handala tabki, why are you crying? He says, Nafaka Handala, I have become a hypocrite. And he says, Walima ya akhi, why my brother do you make such a bold accusation against yourself? And he mentions the condition. He says, Nakunu ma rasulillah, wa nahnu wal jannah kahatain. Faida afasna al ahla nansa. When we are with Rasulullah, it's as though we and paradise are like this. Two fingers next to each other. When we're in the company of Rasulullah it feels like Jannah is literally at our fingertips. It's as though we can see it in front of us. And then when we leave Rasulullah company and we spend a time with our family and we laugh with our wife and our kids, we forget all of that. We lose all of that emotional, spiritual feel that we had with Rasulullah Sayyidina Siddiq radiallahu what does he say? He says, Ana kadalik ya akhi. I'm actually the same. I'm also probably a hypocrite. If you're worried about yourself, then I'm worried about myself because I feel the same. So let's go walk and go to the Prophet ﷺ. The Prophet ﷺ, what does he say? He says, لَوْ تَدُومُونَ عَلَى الْحَالِ الَّذِي تَقُومُونَ بِهَا مِنْ عِنْدِي لَصَافَحَتْكُمُ الْمَلَائِكَ فِي مَجَالِسِكُمْ وَفِي طُرِقِكُمْ وَعَلَى فُرُشِكُمْ If you were to remain on the same state that you are when you stay with me, if you were to remain on that same state when you leave my company, then you would not be human. Instead, angels would descend and they would greet you in your homes, in your, on your paths, on your, and when you're traveling back and forth, when you're places where you're sitting, and even on your bedding. Malaika would come and say, is it Masha, one of us? Right? When people start seeing jinns, that's what happens. Because they know you can see them, if you can see them. And then after that, they want to always have conversations with you. Right? And it gets pretty annoying. Now, I'm not saying this with experience. <laughs> this is experience of people who I know who, who get tired. They thought it was cool. So, we're going to see jinns. But once you see that, then they know, they, they know who can see them. 
So they want to strike up conversations. Hey, how was dinner? How was lunch? What, all that stuff. So they want to talk and it gets very frustrating. You, all, you know, you thought it was bad enough to handle the office work and then the mashallah spouse and the kids. Now you got the whole jinn makhluk after you as well that you have to talk to. And you don't want to upset them either. So anyway, the angels know, of course, who's angelic and who can see them. So now they're going to come make musafa with you and shake hands with you. And you're no longer be human. So this is not, this is incorrect to expect yourself to be at the same state you are in the company of Rasulullah And the Prophet ﷺ said, it goes up and down. Sometimes you go up, sometimes you go down. Take it easy. It's normal for you to go fluctuate. But remember, one thing I want to say about here. We are very quick whenever we want to do some funny stuff or you know, we want to do a little relaxing or Allah forbid we want to do something which is also not correct. What do we do? Sahaba ki misal pa karte. Sahaba bhi karte the. The Sahaba used to do that. How many times you all have heard the Sahaba used to wrestle in the masjid? Eh, huh? That's the one thing everyone remembers. Isn't that the case? Everyone wants to say, well, you know, one instance when the outsiders from Habasha came, from Africa came, and they were competing with one another in archery and spear throwing. And that incident happened. So people take that and they want to use that for karate class to, you know, every other class in the, you know, in the masjid and say, okay, no, this is what, this is what happens. So we're very quick to take from the Sahaba. Sometimes it, uh, cherry picking. So uh, uh, when I just said, Rasulullah said, it's normal for you to you know, fluctuate. What is normal? To fluctuate to a level where you start committing haram? Of course not. To fluctuate and go down to a level where you miss your prayers, where you miss your fard, where you start having thoughts of haram? No. It's just that super 200% level of jazbah and desire of deen that you have, it's going to go down to 100%. <laughs> okay? It's not going to go down to 50%. And it's definitely not going into the red zone. You have to have this threshold. The Sahaba always maintained this level of threshold. Which they wouldn't go below that. Remember that. Today, we covered beautiful hadith in Mishkat al-Masabih under, you know, Babu Dihq wa Tabassumar. You know, the chapter on laughing. And it's an amazing hadith regarding the companions. The companions, the narrator of the hadith says, the companions used to laugh. Used to laugh. And used to sometimes race from one goal to another goal. Right? Racing from one goal post to goal post. But while they're racing, while they're laughing at one another, the companion says that the iman in their heart was greater than the mountains. You remember that part? When we talk about Sahaba having a relaxed time. We saw Rasul after Fajr, he used to turn around and would wait till sunrise, sit with the companions, and then he would listen to dreams that people had. They would share stories, and once in a while, they would also do poetry. Poetry jam, huh? Po po poetry back and forth between the companions. And the Prophet ﷺ, he would simply quietly listen, and if at most, he would smile. Not get involved in it. Okay? Not get involved in it. But you know, just you got to have some relaxed time with the companions too. So now as a Nabi, he's just watching, listening. He's not going to get involved in it, but he's present there. To give that approval, to smile once in a while, but that's about it. But while this is all happening, what's going on with the Iman? Iman, they're internal, internally they're always connected with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. No matter what the situation may be. 
our condition, my condition is when we, our head is in sajda, we're saying subhanahu bil azim, subhanahu bil ala, and our heart is still somewhere else. When we are physically connected, supposed to be connected with Allah Azza wa Jal, our hands are raised in front of Him, but our mind is in our business, in our food, in our spouse, in our children, and all these type of things. So next time we speak about the Sahaba, let's be a little bit careful. Right? When we want to use Sahaba as a proof for our things, remember that Sahaba were not just, when they laughed, they didn't laugh like you and I. Ghafla. Our teachers, may Allah reward them, bless them. They would tell it to us. They would crack, I say this to students too, they crack jokes in class. They would crack jokes in class. But then they would get upset if we laughed too hard. Hazrat Mawlana Dudat Sahib, he would tell us, he would say, when he would crack the craziest joke sometimes, we, I mean, he was like, oh my, it's so funny, right? Sometimes he would roast the kids too. That was the funniest part. So, but you know, the thing is, he would tell us, if we laughed, he would get so upset. And he would say that, take your scarf, your rumal, your shamla, whatever you have, your turban, and put it in your mouth. And close your mouth on your turban, clench your teeth on it. And laugh with your teeth clenched. Make sure you don't open your mouth wide. Because Rasulullah never ever was seen with his mouth wide open while laughing. He simply smiled. His front teeth may have become apparent, that's it. The back teeth never became apparent. The back of his throat never became apparent. He never laughed out loud to that level. That's the etiquette. Who's, is it, our Islam allows us to joke? Yes, yes you may joke and, and, and as long as you're not doing it at the cost of someone. But when you're, when you're laughing, it's beneficial, it's good, keeps the, keeps the heart young, etc. And things of that sort is very necessary, it lightens up the mood. However, you have to follow the etiquette in that. And the etiquette is that we shouldn't do it so loud that, it, that you can hear it outside. You know, if you, do, if you laugh out loud in salah, what happens? It breaks your wudu. Not just even breaks your salah, it breaks your wudu. So... This is the etiquette, qahqaha, what we call it, laughing out loud. Where the person next to you also can hear and your mouth is wide open. They would say, no, absolutely not. And then they would, there are some narrations that speak about laughter taking away the nur of the face. Now I'm a witness to this, I'm sure you are. If you're sitting in a spiritually uplifted gathering, and mashallah, you're doing dhikr or you're listening to a talk and you're motivated, and someone cracks a joke, okay. But then you crack a joke for... You continuously cracking jokes for five minutes. You will 100% feel the difference in your heart. You will actually sense this huge downfall. After the jokes are done, you feel so hollow inside. You all know what I'm speaking about? You feel hollow inside. And if you didn't, now, now that I told you this, think about it. Next time it happens, you'll know what I'm speaking about. You will feel empty and hollow inside. You say, something happened. What happened? The nur escaped. That nur that you had just brought in through attending this dars, Attending a halaqa, reciting Quran, doing dhikr, excessive laughter takes away that nur from the face, takes away that nur from the heart. So we are speaking about staying close to Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. That even if a little departure from Rasulullah's majlis, Hanzala and Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu felt the difference. So what do you and I think? Where we're not going to feel the difference from being distant from Rasulullah We don't have him. We've never seen him in life. All we have got is his seerah, his books, his lifestyle, and his words. If we read his seerah, we'll fall in love with him. If we fall in love with him, it will be easy for us to obey him. 
And if we listen to his qualities, his characteristics, his physical uh, description, description of his physical appearance, my dear friends, this will also build that relationship with him. The Prophet said in hadith, Indeed, the houses of Allah on earth are the masajid. Indeed, the houses of Allah on earth are the masajid. And indeed, it is a right upon Allah. It is a right upon Allah to honor His visitor. Meaning, my dear boys and brothers and sisters who've come here to the masjid today, when you leave, you will feel different. As you sit through the program, you feel different. You're praying two salah with jama'ah and sitting from one salah to the other salah in the state of wudu, in the state of i'tikaf. How can you not feel the difference? But remember this hadith, you have come as a guest of Allah to his house. And Allah says, if you show up to my home, I must honor you. If you come to my home or I come to your house, how could you not offer me a glass of water? How could not I offer you some food? This is just basic etiquette. Well, now we're going to the house of the most honorable, most caring, most loving, most generous Allah Azza wa Jal. Imagine how He will take care of us. So that, now the opposite flip side of it, that one week that we don't, we miss our dars here. The one fr- Tuesday that we don't show up, or the one Friday that we miss our prayer in the masjid, that one Isha that we miss once a week, you will most definitely feel the difference. You will go down. It's not possible. If your presence here brings you nur and iman, how can your absence not take that away from you? It's not a one-way street. It's a two-way street. The longer you stay, the more often you come, the more you take. And the less you come, the longer you stay away, the more goes away from our hearts. So just like those Sahaba felt that a few minutes away from Rasulullah is meaning we feel the decrease in our iman, we should definitely feel the decrease. That we should cry, my dear friends, if we miss one dars. One dars that we miss on a Tuesday night should make us feel guilty. That subhanallah, I, I've fallen behind. And it's very hard to make it up. Because it's a... I like one, one brother was telling me, you know, I, he, was, he had some issues. I, you know, he was doing some athkar and whatnot, alhamdulillah. I told him, how are things going? He said, the one night I fall asleep without doing my dhikr, I get such a strong attack the next day, that even if I were to do that dhikr tomorrow, the next day, I don't recover from it. It takes me three to four days to recover. That's the reality of it. For him, the attack of shaitan has just become very apparent. For many of us, the attack of shaitan is not that apparent. It doesn't mean he's not attacking us. He's attacking all of us. But it's just sometimes a little bit subtle and hidden. But it's happening to all of us. Istiqama and steadfastness in the masjid, istiqama and steadfastness in the gatherings of knowledge and dhikr, there's nothing more important for you and I than that. Every week and every day that we miss out one good thing that we usually do, we're going to take 10 steps back. And then it's not even possible to recover the next day. It may take days to recover from that. So let's not fall into this trap and make sure that we're always attached to our gatherings and to the, gather- to the gatherings of, of ilm and dhikr. Now, Nabi alayhi salatu salam, who enjoys this huge, beautiful status in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, what does Allah azza wa say about him? He says, indeed, Allah and his angels are sending salutations upon Nabi. What does it mean, Allah and his angels? As I know all of you know this, but I'm saying this for the benefit 
as a reminder. That this is the only verse in the Quran and Hadith in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala begins this command for us to do something, starting off with Himself. To say, I am already doing something, my angels are already doing something, and I want you to join me in doing this. No other command of the Sharia is like this, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, I'm fasting, or I'm praying zakah, or I'm praying, or I'm doing hajj. Whatever the case may be, there's only one command in the entire Sharia, which is I am sending salutations upon the Nabi and I want you to join me in doing that. Right? Just imagine the status of Rasulullah in the eyes of Allah. Every single Prophet has been taken their name. Ya, ya Adam, Ya Nuh, Ya Ishaq, Ismail, Ibrahim, all of that. Only Rasulullah has never ever been called Ya Muhammad. Oh Muhammad. The few places that Rasulullah's name is taken, it's not through Ya O, instead it's a statement. Muhammad Rasulullah. Muhammad is the messenger of Allah, he's not the son of Allah. He's not a false prophet, but rather he's a true messenger of Allah. That's it. The rest of the places, in the many, many, many places he's addressed, he's addressed with a very honorable title of Nabi or Rasul or Mudathir or Muzammil and things of that sort. Names of love and kindness that Allah Azza wa Jal expresses for Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So this is the most amazing aspect of this, command, of this command is that Allah says, I'm doing it, and my, my angels are doing it, and I would like you to join that. What does it mean that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is sending salutations? Yani, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is sending His nur on the Prophet Allah is sending His barakat on the Prophet Allah is sending His tranquility on the Prophet Hence, Rasul never got affected by the conditions he was going through. He's coming back from Taif, such a difficult time in Taif. And he's going right back to Mecca. And the, some of the companions are with him saying, are you really going to go back to Mecca? We just got exiled from there. We went to Taif. Are you going to go back? And Nabi Alayhi says, yes, we're going back. Hayat al-Sahaba, Shaykh Yusuf Kandalwi, Rahmanullah, mentions Nabi Sallallahu da'wah in Mina. It's an amazing hadith. It'll make you cry. He says, Nabi Sallallahu in Mina, during the days of Hajj, would be going from the tent to the next tent, inviting the non-Muslims, the mushrikeen to Islam. And imagine there's a group of 30 people sitting in a tent, and you show up on the tent, and you try to speak with them, right? Imagine they all sit there, point your fingers at you, and start laughing, and mocking, and scoffing at you, collectively. Say, really? Come on, shoo, go away from here, shoo, shoo, shoo. We already heard that you're coming here claiming to be a prophet. With this type of insults, and wound upon wound, they are sending Rasulullah away. And he goes to the next tent, and the next tent. The companion and the narrator of this hadith, who at that time possibly was not a Muslim, he says that the Prophet ﷺ would go to the next tent, and would go back to the same tent the next day of Mina, with the same level of enthusiasm and hope, and a beautiful smiling face as though he had never met them before. How do you do that? When they have mistreated you so bad, just, just yesterday, and for you to be able to go back to that same group of people, and out of love, invite them with such hope that inshallah today you will listen. And without showing any signs of disappointment on your face, where does this come from? That is the barakah in Allah malaikatuhu ala nabi. How do you stand up? People say, 
man, my school environment is horrible. There's this girl, I don't know how to avoid her. There's this boy, I don't know how to avoid him. There's a, there's, they live in my apartment complex. I don't know what to do now. We are, we are suffering. We, don't, we can't handle these small little things. Here you have the Nabi of Allah. He's the only Muslim. And now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Kafatalinas, I've sent you for all of humanity. Get up and warn and wake up these people, and you are responsible of guiding, becoming a source of guidance for all these people till the day of judgment. Where do you start from? Where do you start from? How do you not lose hope? How do you not give up? When you have so many setbacks upon setbacks, everyone you trust, they die. Anyone who is there to help you, they pass away. From father to mother to grandfather to wife to uncle. All the people who are there to give you support one by one are leaving. How does Rasulullah say strong? It is the barakah of this anwarat. And from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to the Prophet alayhi salatu So now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants us to join. And he says, Ya ayyuhi amanu sallu alayhi wa sallim wa taslima. O believers, you send salutations upon the Prophet alayhi salatu wasalam. And, وَسَلِّمُوا taslima. And you also along with that, you send uh, peace and salutations. There's so many ahadith, and uh, of course about this, you know, we don't have much time. Uh, but since it is this ayah here, I definitely do want to mention um, some ahadith that will hopefully, you know, be a means of you and I being motivated to send salutations upon the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. They say the salutations of Allah subhanahu wa taala for the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam is Allah's praise in front of the angels, and the angel salutations is dua for Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. And the Quran says, "Fadkuruni athkurkum." Remember me, and I'll remember you. When you send salutations upon the Prophet ﷺ, the amazing thing is this includes what? Remembrance of Allah. Allahumma salli ala Muhammad. Right. So when you send salutations, you're including the dhikr of Allah with it. So now every time you're sending salutation, you're already remembering Allah, and Allah says, "If you remember me, I'll remember you." One question may arise, why is it that we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to send salutations and not ourselves? And the answer to that is, because Allah, although Allah orders us to do it, we are incapable of sending it ourselves. So we go right back to Allah and we say, Ya Allah, you've asked us to do it, but we are incapable of doing it, we're asking you to do it. Right? We're asking you to do it, because there's no way. Our dirty tongues and our dirty hands can do justice in sending salutations upon the Prophet alayhi salatu so Ya Allah, you do it. Right, so we go right back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Sending salutations upon the Prophet alayhi salatu is a way to build such a connection. The Prophet said, Sallu alayya, send salutations upon me, fa'inna salatikum tablughuni haythu kuntum, your salah will reach me wherever you may be. This is a direct phone call to Rasulullah right? Wherever you are, Allah Azawajal will send your salutations to him. The Prophet alayhi salatu said, that that person is a very big stingy person. May he may he be in woe to that individual in front of whom my name is taken, yet he doesn't send salutations upon me. So every single time Rasulullah's name is taken, my dear brothers and sisters, all of us should say what? Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Right? This is an honor that we're getting. The Prophet ﷺ said, Al-Bakhilu man indahu. The stingiest of people is the one in front of whom my name is taken. Falam Yet he doesn't send salutations upon me. Another hadith mentions that 
The closest the people to be to me on the day of judgment will be the ones who send the most salutations upon me. So a thousand a day, two thousand a day, five thousand a day, my dear sisters, my dear brothers, may Allah make it easy for you and I. May Allah make it easy for you and I to become amongst those who send excessively while walking, while moving, while going from this place to that place, while waiting in line. May Allah Azza wa Jal make it you and I from amongst those who immediately our, our fingers start counting salawat, our hands go on our tasbih, our hearts start saying salawat, our tongues start saying salawat. Because the more you do it, if you're one of those people who are doing a few thousand a day, you should feel so blessed today. Because this means you are closest to Rasulullah on the Day of Judgment. The more you, you send it. Man salla alayya salatan wahida. The Prophet says, the one who sends one salah upon me, sallallahu alayhi ashra salawat. Allah will send upon him 10 salawat. Now you'll get direct 10 nur on you from Allah. Number two, Allah will remove 10 sins from your book of deeds. Number three, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will elevate your levels in paradise 10 times. One of my favorite virtues that I usually mention is a hadith related by Ubay ibn Ka'b. He said, Ya Rasulullah, inni salata alayka, fakam aj'alu laka min salati. Abdullah Ubay bin Ka'b, he says, Ya Rasulullah, I send salutations upon you already a lot. Alhamdulillah. How much of my time should I dedicate to sending salutations upon you? He said, whatever you wish. So I asked him, a fourth of my time, he said, whatever you wish. But if you do more, it would be better for you. How about half of my time? He said, whatever you wish, but if you do more, it would be better for you. What about two-thirds of my time? He said, whatever you wish, but if you do more, it'd be better for you. He mentioned, I will dedicate my entire free time to sending salutations upon you. That's it. When he said this, the Prophet ﷺ responded by saying, If that's the case, then your worries all will be taken care of and your sins will all be forgiven. So what could there be more than, more than this that you and I are desirous of. Removal of our worries and forgiveness of our sins. What else do we want? Sins being forgiven and worries being taken care of. So my respected friends, let us make a habit of with ourselves, with our spouses and our children to recite and send salutations as much as possible to the Prophet and we will see the blessings of it. The 40 salawat book that is, we read here on Thursday nights. If you don't have a copy of it, please get it from the bookstore. And make a, make a habit of reading through that every single day. If you, read, if you get a habit, it'll take you maybe 13 minutes to do it. 12 to 13 minutes. And if, you know, start off with Thursday nights and Friday. After that, try to slowly make a habit of doing it every day. You can start off with doing, there's 40 salawat in there. You can do 5 a day. You can do 10 a day. Do a portion of it, a couple pages. But the more we read, inshallah, the, 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 the more fluent it will become. And inshallah, that book also has transliteration as well. So if you're not fluent in reading Arabic, you can use the transliteration as well. This is the collection by Sheikh Zakaria rahmatullahi alayhi. It is a great collection that we should make a habit of doing. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through the barakah of this uh, salawat that he fills our, our heart with, his, with, his, with Nabi Sallallahu love, with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's love. And then may he make us amongst those who are blessed with his vision in this world, in our dreams, and are blessed with visiting his grave and his home. And may he bless us with the sweetness of his love the sweetness of following his sunnah. May he be, make all of us flag bearers of his sunnah. May he become, make every one of us inviters towards his sunnah. May he make us and our children a sadaqah jariyah for Rasulullah sallam.
that when Rasulullah sees us on the day of judgment and he sees our kids, he becomes happy. That you, whatever good you did, I got the reward for it. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make that all true. Inshallah, this weekend I'll be uh, visiting the Houston area for Friday and Saturday. We have programs there in Masjid, Masjid Maryam on Friday, uh, Friday uh, Juma and a Friday night program there. So if you know anyone out, uh, in that area, please, inshallah, do uh, let them uh, be, become aware of that. Inshallah, we'll be there for, for a couple of days. If there's anyone who still wants to host a program out there in the Houston area, inshallah, please contact us. And there's still some open slots. We'll do a few minutes of vicar, inshallah. لا إله إلا الله محمد رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم لا إله إلا الله 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 محمد رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم الله 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 لا إله إلا الله محمد رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم صلى الله على محمد 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 صلى الله عليه وسلم استغفر الله 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 
Subhanallah, you have me, 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 Subhanallah, you have me,